This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome to Who's Up Podcast. I'm Freya and I'm here with Joseph. Who I cannot hear. Oh, there he is. <laughs> uh, we've got Joe. Oh, that's okay. uh, morning. <laughs> and special guest, Jacob, the uh, orchestrator of all of our pain and suffering. Morning, the many losses that were had in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I want oh, Christian to get really elated for half a second. No, that's 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 a good goal right there. I have to say, uh, it's been a while. Welcome back. Uh, great to be back. Oh yeah, spoiler warning. So spoiler warning for <laughs> series one of Doctor Who Out of the Shadows. Actually, no, just Doctor Who Out of the Shadows because, as revealed at the end of the episode, series two has a different subtitle. But we'll get on to that. Way you this podcast, right? Let's talk about the very, very end of the second episode. <laughs> well, that's how you do it, isn't it? If we went through it in order, that would be boring. Now let's that's go a... through it, the rest of it in order. <laughs> just walled up in time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, um, so we're technically here to talk about the last two episodes of the series, Eternal War and Against Dying of the Light. But actually, since Jacob is here, we can talk about all of it. I mean, I, I assume I assume we will because it's the first time we get I, I to like, do it. You'll in like retrospect. <laughs> this is this is more than just a podcast. It is a live interrogation. If you're tuning in now to this interrogation, donate fifty bits and we'll give them a little zap. <laughs> <laughs> but let's be real, we do it for free. Actually, that would make a great episode sometime—a live stream like that kind of thing. Uh, like, you know, evil Twitch streamers, like in Doctor Who. Wouldn't that be a great episode concept? <laughs> you know, back in 2005, the evil game shows, are evil Twitch streamers that different in their position within society? I think this would be I'm, wonderful. I'm not right. Is that not just Vengeance on Varos? <laughs> oh, it is just Vengeance on Varos. They've already done evil no. Twitch streamers. And, and we've, had, we've certainly had enough of Vengeance on Varos. <laughs> If you want to learn more about Wait, Vengeance well, of Varus, check out our sponsor, Hussock Podcasts and Vengeance of Varus. And well, now we basically back to your just ma- roundly trash Philip Martin for an hour. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you just turn people into birds. Um, and now, back to your regularly scheduled Out of the Shadows content. <laughs> Can I do the descriptions on this one to say Frey the Grief? Because I actually know what happened to him. <laughs> oh, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I know I keep, I often um, get other people to do it now. And I wrote them, so it's especially for especially Fire Out the Shadows because I want them to be done properly rather than me butchering um, summaries of everything. Because as everyone knows, I waffle. But yes, what are they about? I can tell you that in Eternal War, the Minister of War sends a bunch of spaceships all across the planet for the Doctor and Jason to find, with the aim of converting the entire population of Earth into either shadow men or shadow hosts to test his armies. And the Doctor and Jason must go around all these spaceships with the help of Unit Captain O'Donnell and another familiar face. But we'll get there. Indeed we will. Uh, So, let's just start. I mean, the plot of the episode um, basically boils down to where in the world is the Doctor and Jason uh, as they go on their little globe-trotting, like, you know, follow the breadcrumbs of spaceships adventure. Um, In many ways, it's just, you know, it's 
they are just teleporting between a lot of spaceships and a lot of different countries. Uh, it works because um, what listeners of this podcast might not know is I originally wrote these for TV and then they were converted into audio and we pitched them. So what the original pre-titles was, was like shots of like a bunch of different landmarks around the world. So there's like a big like spaceship like front of uh, Christ the Redeemer, there's one of the Hollywood sign, Sydney Opera House. That joke from O'Donnell about the Washington Monument getting crushed, that was in there. There would have been a shot of just oh, landing on top of the Washington oh, Monument. That is cool. really funny. Shape. <laughs> yeah, it's America, who cares? <laughs> As the resident American, who cares? <laughs> I mean... Americans don't deserve any rights anyway. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not really American anyway, so it's you, fine. You've dated this podcast, haven't you, Frey? Yeah. Um, but, okay, so that's that is an interesting and fun start, uh, basically taking, you know, it's a fairly, I guess, it's going in with your classic RTG um, uh, army of ghosts. Look at all the ghosts all across the world. This is a worldwide adventure. Well, most of the adventure happens in a little bit of a London suburb. Um, but that's a fairly standard RTD for you, to be fair. And in this case, you know, it's especially if you have the spaceships in all different locations and they have windows, which it's an audio series. Do the spaceships have windows? They do have windows. The Minister of War says not the best view I have to admit when he's in Stockton. I remember they did have the big windows in like their each of their control rooms and stuff, but do they have like little portholes elsewhere? Like how many actually, windows are there? It's actually like a block of flats. <laughs> it's the tanks like the shadows just live in different rooms in the space. Oh, I guess I kind of imagine them um and I'm gonna make a Star Trek metaphor immediately and I'm gonna apologize for it, but like all the pods on a Borg ship, um, where you have like like a bunch of rows of stuff and that kind of thing, with all these like pods along all the walls, like the spaceships are basically yeah. big transmitters with big like storage for all the shadows. Yeah, it's kind of that. It was sort of like the whole center is hollow, then it's like mm. walkways all around. The okay, that's exactly on, what I and imagined. Then the shafts going through the middle. Yeah. I, I can visualize it really clearly. That doesn't help in an audio series. But I could look at like a set designer and go, yeah, that. But instead, you have to look at a sound designer and go, can you just do some bubbling? <laughs> yeah, and just do some bubbling, do some a little bit of shadow ambient, <laughs> like that ambient shadow noise, you know. <laughs> it's basically what it sounds like, except voiced better. But you know, um, yeah, like... it's, it's fun. And then, and then I killed gas. Oh well. <laughs> I mean, you say, I don't think you didn't kill Yaz. You, you preempted Chibnall killing Yaz. She's not dead yet. Yeah, but if she does die, it's canon. I wrote that, that script was written pre-Revolution of the Daleks. It was like the August before. So it was, it still works as like a throw forward tease of all what's happened. Because I'm vague throughout the 13th generation the whole way through. Because that's not my job to figure out. I yeah, because whoever killed the 13th Doctor is not canon. Which is tragic, really. Because <laughs> 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 But no, it was just a fun thing to tease. And one of the weirdest things I went back and forth on, I went back and forth on whether it should be Rose, Tyler, or Donna Noble. Because Donna technically is closer to death, but Rose seems to raise that all of the audience. And that's one of the weirdest little things I've gone, oh, I don't know. Did you just call Donna old? No. Closer to death. 
No, like her circumstances, because the yeah. line gets wiped. No, like Catherine Tate is holding Blue Island. <laughs> that's the two I thought you meant. That's so rude. You are so to words in my mouth. <laughs> oh god. Oh, it's just yeah, like sorry. in terms of her tragic fate, Rose gets to live out life in a parallel world. Donna just lost all her memories and had the more undeniably tragic fate, especially post Journey's End, where they kind of, you know, Rose still has a clone of the Doctor to yeah. I don't know, I get down and dirty it, with. But it just it just felt more. But then, but it's still enough for when Jason asks later, "Are they dead?" and the Doctor goes, "Not all of them." Clara is definitely dead. But there's still just enough leeway of going, Yaz could be, which I find quite fun. Especially when it's being delivered by the Minister of War, because Richard, my God. He is so good. That and opening monologue. So chilling. Was, that opening monologue, uh, start the episode, was his first audition piece. That and Genocide of Rodia, who would invite for those. And he, he was the first person to audition outright. And just immediately came in, did that and the Unknown Shade, which Unknown Shade. I think you asked this question on the first podcast, how it's done. I mean, his voice is what you hear is 70% just him going, like you can just do that. Then he recorded a second whisper take. And Ollie then melted them together. It's the same with the shadow hosts. Richard recorded a growl and a whisper under every shadow host lines. And then he gets all to it together. Which is Quite a bit, anyway, just getting through all of that. Uh... You'd imagine it would take a very long time to get all of those lines. I am told it took him multiple days to record them. You can see why. (laughs) Oh, certainly. But yeah, then, I mean, the plot of this one is weird because when I planned it out, I had the Minister of War comes to Earth. He does the monologue about the genocide of Rovia because I want I wanted the class reference in there. I, that was a deliberate tie-in. And then the worlds get taken over by shadows. I was like, how do you come up with the plot when the ending is inevitable? How do you fill the space? And it was coming up with just, oh, there's a bunch of spaceships we've got to go around. And, the, the and then you have there. to, you guys, you start with your, well, like if you know that you've got a finale, um, and I guess, yeah, it makes sense. I suppose you'd also start with, well, how are they going to solve the problem? In this case, a transmitter into every head, and then you, well, this the transmitter, you get the spaceships, you can just merge them all together and, like, p- puzzle, or not exactly? Oh, I will say spaceships came before, I think I knew it would be a big speech, but actually setting the groundwork for that and then tying it back into episode four came later on. It was a lot more haphazard than it looks, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you, but that is always the process. Oh, that, yeah... So going into this, when you wrote through Open Doors and um, also just going through the other episodes where the Shadows or Minister of War make an appearance, so you've got your, and I'm going to remember all the names of these episodes because I can remember the name of episode four specifically. I'm really thinking it through now. Out of Service. Yes, I remembered that. Um, I remember that from the beginning. Um, Out of Service. And yet then your um, Conquest of Sontar the three other episodes that feature Shadows and the Minister and such. How much of Eternal War Against the Dying of the Light did you already know? Especially with the kind of time loop, like little bit time loop plot with Conquest of Santa being a 
prologue from the Minister of War's perspective to open doors? That is a good question. Um, I mean, when I wrote... I'm so series... sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't mute the I... time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry right. to all the listeners that I just sneezed at. <laughs> it's hay fever season. Right, okay. Um, when I wrote the episode, I mean, I only ever planned to write one, but I had a whole series worked out. It was just an experiment because I'd never written a script before. So when the Unknown Shade says they met on the battlefield, I'm like, oh yeah, he was in Conquest of Sontar. I knew that. So I knew there would be some kind of looping. But it was only when writing Out of Service that I tied it in. Because the plot of Out of Service came from an idea I had about three years prior of just what if people were kidnapped by buses. And then I'm writing it and go, and I had programming there that was you know, independent to it all. And then went, oh, hang on, this is just the plot of episode one. It's taking place in the same location about a week after. It's too big a coincidence. So my thought was, eliminate coincidence. It's all the same plot. And then it could bring it in. And then when it came to writing um, Root and Stowaway, I went, okay, well, let's make programs on Tarvin software, which is why you've got Rex voicing the computer in episode eight. Rex voiced the computer in episode eight? I never noticed that, I lie. <laughs> Some, I know at least one person didn't I'm going to call that a success but then that ties up in Conquest where I, everything before it makes sense how much did you know about Eternal War well I can tell you um, in the very very early stages before I'd even tied the Minister of War to the Shadow Men and this would have been before writing Open Doors the original cliffhanger I had in mind was the minister would just like cause an absolute bombardment of the planet. Like bring in the Dalek Cybermen, sometimes it just like shook them. Did you have to give those free? Are we going with the Vanquishers? Is that what you were going to write? (laughs) (laughs) There was also multiple doctors in it. You were writing the Vanquishers. I'm really glad you redrafted. Can can I set up my punchline, please? Sorry, (laughs) I'm going to intersect you. I had that idea for about 30 seconds, then went, no, that's terrible. And there's no reset button. Abandoned it, and then like eighteen months later, I watched Survivors of the Flux, <laughs> and it's oh, the identical cliffhanger. And I thought, "Wow, I dodged a bullet." Yeah, you really did. But you right, you really did. I, I mean. mean- during early drafts of Stolen Earth, um, I know that Russell T Davies had originally planned to orbitally bombard New York to dust. Um, he thought about it for like a day. Right? It was like a day. No, I know it, it's right as hell. Um, and it was a thought about that, uh, and it didn't end up making it in, partially because there was no reset button, and it would be pretty mm. difficult to just suddenly, you know, well, what happened to New? Oh, it's gone. Um, New York was gone, mind you. Has there ever been an episode set in New York since then? Like, I mean, you've Angels got Take Angels, Angels Take Manhattan could, okay, no, because it had some scenes in present day New York too. That's a good point. I was thinking it's only past New York, but no, it's also got present. You're right. Don't, don't play games with me on Moffat Hero. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But you mentioned multiple doctors. Do you want to just have at it? Uh, yeah. Um, where did the idea to put two doctors into the episode come from? I can't remember exactly. I know I had an idea because, again, first conceptualizing the series, Conquest of Sontar was the finale. 
and it would be like a 10 episode series mm. you'd end on that and the minister will be a tease for series two you know still building on him through series one but you'd have that meeting but i do like to think in some ways like the fourth wall is like part of it a hypothetical series two with the doctor and jason like they've had that big moment and then you know you take it down for a bit then pick it back up and in that i had the vague sketchings of a doctor from the series two finale coming back into the series one finale like being on santa like it's as developed as you've just heard it mm. but i think it's just something i thought would be cool because you don't see that if ever a doctor's on screen with themselves I think unless it's a mini-sode, it's never the future version. It's always a clone or, you know, some kind of duplicate. I mean, in fairness, so given how confusing and antithetical to drama time travel can often be, for the most part, I'd say it's a good idea. I think you made it work really well, in part because underneath everything that did happen in Eternal War, it's kind of just filler for setting up the cliffhanger for the finale. I mean, you oh, said, totally. yeah, yeah, you no, said earlier, like trying to develop a plot for the episodes, you know, brought up the spaceships and stuff. And I think if it hadn't been for the second Doctor's introduction and suddenly they started playing the recorder, it's Patrick Troughton all along. No, I'm just, <laughs> it's not the second Doctor, different thing, whatever. Um, that was a bad joke. It was a terrible joke, I know. It was a but, great um, joke. I mean, imagine I if I could do it do then what I can do now and you just like go through into a control room and it's like is that really the best line I could come up with who do you think you are <laughs> like got my mental on that yeah um <laughs> no you've got like some fun things there because actually that adds in a much needed element of mystery and plot to it which separates through the and foreshadowing which separates through the otherwise you know we're going through about 15 different spaceships and blowing them all up, which could get repetitive, but doesn't due to the changing situations and stuff. And it, what, and it was also having to come up with different ways of destroying the spaceships. My favorite is mm. the prop cameo. Complete, I love just bringing back, her back for one line because I, I just I just love the idea that Ram just hates Prog so much, he just immediately kills himself. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I mean, totally understandable. I think we now need to put a trigger warning on the front of this podcast. Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, uh, yeah, I guess that's... In fairness, the Prog Ram bit in the episode was terribly hilarious so it was great fun and it was nice to have them back again for a moment anyway just you know go through with um unique and fun ways of destroying all the spaceships um, yeah i think my favorite joke in the episode comes from that future doctor thing of um with o'donnell mm -hmm. because the future doctor knows that she's killed stokes so she says don't shoot them you've learned I thought you'd learn after last time. Mm. Then the past doctor, when she's shooting at the shadow host, says, don't shoot them. And I was like, I've told you, you've told me before, doctor, I'll tell you again. Oh, yeah. Which works on <laughs> yeah. the surface. But then it's also oh, like, yeah. you've yourself done it. And the past I, I, I mean, I love it. I knew it, that I recognised the joke in terms of the two. I didn't realise the Stokes connection, though. Um, like, just... Well, just that... Don't shoot them. That's all it comes down yeah. to. But it's yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. not saying Mike and Don't. I did love that. That was a very know. fun little joke. Yeah. That's, that's the most Moffat joke I think I've ever written in like 
three series. <laughs> it was good. And can we also say how brilliant Evie is at playing both doctors? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. You oh. could definitely tell which one's speaking when. Like, which is very the much hugely it's, it's critical really... thing with audio. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is having read the scripts, there is a major script indicator of difference that is never once mentioned until, like, Against the Dying of the Light, in that the coat was smashed. She, uh, it says that she's missing a jacket when they first meet. Does she say that in Eternal War? Like, oh, where's your jacket? Yeah. Well, okay, I missed that line. Are, okay, I guess you are me. Even if you are missing a jacket, that's what I've been trying to tell you. I thought, I like, Eternal War was one of the hardest ones to convert to audio. I really Imagine as such, yeah. I guess it does make sense. Because uh, you also want to make sure it's not repetitive, it's fun stuff. And then anyway, we... Which we get... really didn't come through until the music edit. Like, mm-hmm. you had to, but, I mean, Ollie was always brilliant on the sound effects. Oh, yeah. But it was Oliver who really just kept the pace going, kept it, kept each scene when it was jumping back and forth as fully distinguished items. Full, full praise on that as with the rest of the series. And then we have the cliffhanger moments in Eternal War. You've got your Minister of War scene, uh, the reveal of the true nature of the spaceships, and then the Doctor going there um, to meet them. Oh God, the uh, the reveal of the spaceships, like that Aris technology. I don't know what it is, but you know those ideas you get irrationally attached to. It's one of those. I well, just. L- I mean, rightly so, because I worked out what you'd done reading this script because in episode three, I'd already thought that's such a cool idea. That cannot be all he's used it for. Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't intentional. It's I came up with it in episode three. I thought that's really, really cool. And even the doctor's like, oh, that's a great idea. Just get like, I'm sorry for my ego. I loved it. But the next one I wrote, the next one I wrote was Eternal War. So I, just, I put it in there with the ships inside the ships. Also, uh, I can say the running order changed this series because the original episode three was about Native Americans. We couldn't cast it, so we cut it. And that's where the fourth wall came in. And for reasons I now can't remember, I think because fourth wall works better later in the series, Mind Your Manners then got moved back into the episode three slots. Oh, it was partly that, partly, um, otherwise it would have gone like one, two, four, and that wouldn't have worked. No, it really wouldn't have worked. You want but to it meant breathe the, it. Yeah, but it meant you weren't setting up the Aris technology in one episode and paying it off in the next one. It means it's seeded way back, and I think that's much better. I definitely agree. It was a really fun choice anyway. Um, we've got that. Uh, that's the big reveal that suddenly all these spaceships that you thought you destroyed had other spaceships inside of them. Now, the question is, could the minister have theoretically loaded another layer of spaceships inside of those? Like, if, if these new spaceships, the original spaceships can fly around and stuff, like, and an Aris spaceship can shift into it, can that spaceship then also have an Aris spaceship shifted into it? I, that's a good question. I would assume there are limits on the technology. But, but it is, um, I mean, it's lamp changed slightly against Dying of the Light, where the Doctor said, unless you've got another set of spaceships, mm. I think 
I think the minister knows, because you've got to remember the minister's been inside the doctor's head in Conquest of Santar. He's like scanned her brain. So he can come up with a plan and go, right, I know what's going to trickle, what's going to fall. I can kind of play a physical warfare, but also psychologically as a shadow man, a shadow host at the same time. So if they, like, he can pay it off once. And even if you do that, if, oh, you need a third set of ships, you remember the moment the doctor is on this, like, well, there's a second ship, second set of ships. I can stop those as well. That's the exact point. He goes, no, you don't. You came very close to forcing an edit on the podcast there. Yeah. Do you have anything <laughs> to say for yourself? <laughs> I, I was literally bracing as well. Like, I was ready to get the post-it and write down. Everyone say set of ships three times fast. Go. No, second no. set of ships. Oh, yeah, it's even better, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and that makes sense. And also, in the end, it didn't really matter that much in terms of the finale because... The Doctor never even needed to go through and blow up another um, group of ships. Uh, the Doctor just, well, did what the Doctor did in the finale. And we'll come on to Against the Dying Delights in a moment. I think there's, like, one... You I want mean, to talk the, uh, that we want, we want to talk about the other part of the ending where the Minister of War, I mean, who has these universal teleportation powers of... Wow. Um Imagine the Minister of War in like a martial arts tournament or something, like just teleport standing. <laughs> like, you know, that should be real a, passion. That's an X Man. That's, uh, I think. Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I think you for the oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah, I don't. Oh. If you're asking me to remember the names of all the X Men and Days of Future Past, <laughs> I can't do it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Yeah, you have but, to, yeah, no, go on. No, um, and then the Minister of like, uh, bye-bye. And then the doctors just send her off somewhere and it's like, okay, where am I? Um, this is odd, okay. And then we get that reveal. And do you want to talk through why that reveal specifically? What went in your mind? What was like? Uh, it was about three months before writing the script. And I think some vestiges of that initial Spiders of the Flux idea. I kind of stopped through because at that point at that point three minutes before there weren't characters like Phil Bella it was as honest as you see the minister was behind the Sontaran root war but I thought well what other wars could he be responsible for and then immediately I just went Daleks and once you've had that idea it was very you know I couldn't let go of it mm-hmm. And also, and you've spell. got to get the Doctor out of there. Because if the cliffhanger for Against Night Light's like, oh, there's everyone's shadows, and she's got the solution. I mean, we'll come on to this later, I'm sure. But she knows the end. Yeah. The, end the Doctor point. knows... The, I mean, I will come on to that in a moment or two, but yeah. Um, speaking of Vilvala, she's an interesting character. Are we ever going to see any more of her? Like, in the <laughs> next series? Or? Uh, no comment. I love well, that. I was like, oh, she was so fun. Until the end of the podcast. I'm Let's sure we'll finish talking about it. Let's focus on this one first. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. <laughs> Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Uh, she was so fun cool. to play though. Genuinely had a blast. You can tell at every point. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really enthusiastic. It helps so, that she kind of is. So 
Yeah. And that also so. brings up the other question of a war that the Minister of War might have been behind, where it's mentioned briefly, and I'm jumping to the end, or near the end of Against the Dying of the Light. Stop I jumped around, around. I'm never going to stop jumping around. Jumping around is my speciality. Um, but <laughs> no, no this you is... can just go poker at any point. <laughs> It's, it's professional yes. trampolining at this point. It's on was. topic. It's on topic. So another war that the Minister of War could have been behind that was probably fought over at the same point as this involved the Daleks. There was implication about the Minister of War and the Eternals connection. Oh, speaking of Eternals, Eternal War, in case anyone didn't get that. Um, I, I, I love the idea that someone just caught the title at that exact point. And just went, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I didn't get many theories on who the minister was. I actually went on uh, behind the curtain and said it was a completely original character. Not necessarily original species, which, you know, eternal. But the guesses I had, oh, I risked I've got to say something to start this podcast. I will come on to that in a second. But like, I heard um, the famous Ollie Stanton was guessing the warlord. And my boyfriend said it was either going to be Barossa or Chancellor Flavia. Like, nobody went, it's the master. Like, nobody went for the obvious ones, and I was very happy with that. Uh, Imagine Flavia, just... though. Oh. In fairness, <laughs> um, I think it, the Master could have been one that happened, because you have to remember that the Master has called and, like gone through with a fairly similar name to that before um, in The Daemons, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where he dresses up as uh, a, a priest for a bit, um, like a minister of a church. And you could have had that as a reveal. Equally, I'm very glad you didn't. I think the master is- No, I didn't, no, it didn't interest me to, like, yeah. you know, one thing I think gets underlooked about Moffat's era is like the whole of Matt Smith, he just went, right, I'm gonna do a completely new antagonist. He's gonna use like the old villains, but he didn't use like the master or Davros. He went, okay, we're gonna do the silence and that overarching concept. Whether you think it worked or not, whole different discussion, hmm. but the fact he no. held off on it. I think it was a good thing to hold off on some kind of, like, you want to, if their response, like, if you have the same villa, if you have Davros coming back every season, it cheapens appearance. If you have the master, especially after the master kind of had a big rap in end of time, you want to hold off for a while before bringing them back. Um, so that makes sense. And I think it was definitely enhanced, like, you know, by, without that anyway. But no, it's a, I was going to say, the Minister of War and the Last Great Time War. This is an interesting... It, yeah, that is 100% the implication you should be reading. And maybe you'll find out one day. Curse you, writer man. <laughs> How much canon have you torn apart, Jacob? What's it so far? It'll to who? I don't have any uh, I mean, you've about? torn up more than RTD, but I think less than Moffat and Chibnall so far. What's the thing, like... I mean, significantly less than Chibnall. If you told up more canon than Chibnall, I'd be surprised. The Doctor's okay. not even a Time Lord can, anymore. Can I say <laughs> two things before we move on to properly to Against Dying the Light? Number one is the canon I've changed, I don't think you, people really care about. Who's really that fussed up of going and retconning the first Sontarans? Like Nobody who's important. Nobody. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, can I do my test? If anyone's listening to this podcast, can you just say in the chat, Christian, the first Sontarans isn't canon. Thank you. <laughs> and the second, so any changes like that, I'm like, you don't really care. There's like enough of a gap that you can just like put your own thing in. And it's not going to make a massive difference to like the show as a whole, but also it's fun in the moment for that potential mm. storytelling. 
Um, second thing I'm going to say, I meant to say it at the start, I did forget. Um, if my boyfriend is listening to this and I'm going to send this bit to you so I know you will be, I'm very, very sorry. I'm done now. I'm going to stop being stressed. I'm okay. Thank you. I love you very much. Okay, that's all I need to say. And just that need is... to get that on record. Yeah. I imagine, writing, I, I imagine writing and directing and given all the other roles you performed in the credits of each episode must have been a very stressful and difficult task for a long time. He, he, um, I was um, with him like the day before fourth wall went out and let me tell you that was a that was a very last minute edit and he did not see me my best oof ah speaking of all the things jacob is credited for can we discuss the credits at the end of this episode yes a ton of war because we're getting back on that uh because i mean well the credits first of all the different music was it's yeah i i said um it's the first time anyone's done that since earthshock i think well, I said to Matt, can we do them silent, like completely silent? And they work, but like, I don't know what it is. Just when I was working on the credits, like there's a bit of static on it. I, it sounded all right, but it wasn't great. And so when Ollie got hold of the episode, he went, I've done some fiddling with it. Obviously I'll change it. And like, I've never changed anything Ollie has asked or done. <laughs> but he's like, I'm going to add the shadow in there. I'm going to add sound effect on sort of Evie's line in the next time trailer. And it did work <clears throat> so, so well. No, it's... One of the reasons I thought it was so gorgeous, it really gave me the same vibes as the Zagreus trailer. Because obviously that Mm. is a pretty epic Big Finish story. I mean, a a lot of people sort of know about it, even if they've not heard it. And I mean, some people don't bother listening to it because it's like three hours long. But um, that was advertised with, um, I think there was a version with Romana and a version with the Doctor's reciting this fairly edgy poem. (laughs) Um, And... Yeah, it it sort of became a fairly iconic thing. So, like, doing similar for this, it just worked so well oh. just to get the sort of vibe that we're going for without, like... the sense of desolation. Yes. This, the, yeah. the, Joe just put far better what I was trying to say. <laughs> I'm very much stumbling over my words today, I think. Well, actually, I can say, I think possibly... I don't know if it's my favourite cliffhanger the show's done, but the one I remember most from, from being a kid was the end of the Pandorica opens, where you've got the whole dramatic, the Doctor's been locked in the Pandorica, the TARDIS just explodes, and that upward shot of Rory over a dead Amy as all the stars go out. And then the mm. music's playing, and it just goes silent. And I remember watching that, 10 years old. There was no noise coming from outside the house, no noise in the house. I remember that genuine, complete quiet. And that moment of just, oh, no. I think that's exactly what I wanted from this. I, I actually, I remember it. that. You absolutely did. And honestly, I, I do remember that cliffhanger and then that like sort of just gut punch of what on earth is going to happen now? And mm. and this did achieve the same sort of reaction. Yeah, yeah. it was, I, I remember <laughs> like being in the call and not expecting that at all. And then watching everyone else react to it at the same time. And we were just speechless for a bit. <laughs> it really what happens next. That you needed. Yeah, that's what happens next against Dying of the Light. Do you want me to do a description on this one as well? <laughs> yeah, go on. Yes, let's move on to Against the Dying of the Light. Well, on this one, um, sort of 99.9% of the planet has been taken over by Shadow Men or Shadow Hosts. Greenlanders, Spurge. <laughs> I say Green, I don't know about Greenland. 
Swansea spared. That's canon. Mm, that's canon. Just the whole of Swansea. Who'd but, want... Um, it's like Jason. Con. <laughs> Jason has managed to rescue Damien and Bernie. You find him at the start. Finding Tommy and Wilson. And they're just in the TARDIS, sheltering, trying to come up with some kind of plan. Meanwhile, the Doctor is stranded in a Dalek battleground. And who are the Daleks fighting, you may ask? They are fighting the Mabellans. Yes. Joseph, very happy yeah. with that news. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in fact, I'm I'm gonna commit a first degree heresy right now. Um, I'm going to say the destiny of the Daleks wasn't a very good episode in my right, opinion. Right, okay. <laughs> well, Joseph, yeah, how quickly well, can you can you kick her, please? <laughs> well, here's Destiny was my first classic episode of Doctor Who. So I've always had a certain fondness for it. I've That's only fair. watched it in like 10 years. I absolutely that, adore it. That being said, there are elements that can be better, sure, but it's a good episode and I will die on this hill because I enjoy it. I'm not going to get into, <laughs> I mean, this is a tangential point. So I. No, it's not because I was going to say that actually. I really do like all the Destiny references that crop up. It just makes there are me so happy. Four in this, I think. I yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I can count three. I swear there is a fourth. I know the fourth is just the villains. Um, there's a couple in the names. Um, Legel, um, yes. there's a villain called Agella. In yes. Destiny. And then Rackles, there's one called Cheryl. And it's like, it was a combination of like that and like the actor's name. I can't remember the specifics now. So there's that, that might be one. I know there's um, the Dalek falling in the lake and goes malfunction. <laughs> That's the one. Mm. I actually asked Rex if he could do the Dalek versus that the Destiny ones. Also, incidentally, how we cast Rex is I released the scripts and a day later he just came to me and said, hey, I see we've got the Daleks. I don't know what you're planning, but I've got an idea. And just sent a bunch of voice lines. I remember you telling me that and oh, I, I remember being in the in the first read through I, I think it, yeah it was the read through and then mm. you bust out the Dalek lines we thought you were going to read in and you did not read in you gave us yeah. actual Daleks and I remember like everyone just really wasn't quite expecting it and then you well, just that, pulled this out we were sat there like oh, we're you know, really that to trying to fiddle with my laptop and actually played it like at the start some people didn't know i'm like it was a big finish only that christian sent me <laughs> uh yeah it's malfunction there's um the third one is when they're like in the house and they're, like going oh you know the we have we can defend ourselves but not for long, or logical stalemate. You should do something about those. <laughs> yeah, that's my favourite. Oh, yeah. yeah. I noticed that one. Uh, I loved that one. Missed is um, it, this episode is set in the year. It's like four four nine five. Destiny's four five hundred. <clears throat> so it's like just before. Oh, and the final nice. one is um, when Evie goes down the trap door, and I've sort of paraphrased. You're, you know, you're the most superior race in the universe. Try climbing after us. Bye. <laughs> Yes. Of, you know, I butchered Tom Baker's line when he goes in the vent. Hmm. I mean, in fairness, I have some issues. Most, most of my issues of Destiny come about with its treatment of the Daleks specifically. Uh, because they're treated as soldiers and just poor robots. They're treated A as robots and B as. Have I, have I not given you an explanation for that now? Yep. Um, <laughs> you. You have given more of it, but also in general, it's it doesn't. Uh, it's very frustrating because it doesn't feel 
like they are the Daleks in that episode. It just feels like it feels like Dalek clickbait. Anyway, that's completely irrelevant <laughs> on th- this episode. And it's um, making me sad. Insult mine, please. Let's just stay yeah. on topic. Yeah. Well, how <laughs> could I, I against the dying of the light? I can't insult it. Normally, I do come onto these podcasts with, I, and I am joking here because I do love these episodes and I do try to give as many positive things as I can. But also, I tend to insult episodes. Um, you it's... threw shade out of service. I remember. Did I? I can't remember when you said something, oh, that's a coincidence. And I messaged you like, oh, yeah, no, that's a complete coincidence. Yeah, I didn't even realise. When did I throw shade on out of service? I'll, t- I'll message you later. The audience doesn't need to know. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> this. I definitely didn't do it in the podcast because no, yeah, I wasn't in no, that podcast. No, no, you were. I was? I was. Yeah, I were. was in that podcast. Oh, yeah, no, because I wasn't in the first episode podcast, obviously. No, no, I'll, I'll tell you later. Oh, I I kind of have a vague memory of doing this now. Yeah, look, look, exams of a uh, 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 pain, <laughs> pain, 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 the and that is episode. yeah, and that's your second one. Enough time joke for the podcast. It's a Jacob podcast. What were you expecting? <sighs> Given the man rigged the tournament of Rassilon, you know how it is. How was Christian who rigged the tournament of Rassilon? Oh no! <laughs> I rigged. Are we um, opening a can of Stephen on a Christmas? That was a different thing entirely. That was the tournament of wrestling. Fair enough. All right. To bring us back it? on track. Yeah. Right. Um. There's a Some... dying of the light, and we're against it. Apparently. Apparently so. Some behind-the-scenes information for you. So of course I play Marvellans in this one, but because Jacob was trying to keep it a secret. On his cast list, he meant to write Android Soldiers, but forgot, so they weren't on the cast list at all. So I showed up to the read-through just to listen to everyone else play the finale. Then, of course, we got to the lines which were just Mavellans, and nobody spoke. And Jacob went, Joseph, that's you. I paused for a moment. Checked there wasn't another Joseph in the call. Then got so excited, flapped my arms, hit my laptop, knocked my microphone off my table, <laughs> and my laptop froze. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. <laughs> You've told the story so much. I don't remember this. I don't, I don't have any... I mean, in fact, I, just I was like, oh, barely okay, at the recording. Because uh, I do remember, if I'm not mistaken anyway, that this episode is so long that it was recorded in two different recording sessions. And by so long, I mean about five minutes longer than a wine episode. <laughs> yeah, like, don't say so long. <laughs> yes, we did all the space scenes separately. It's so I didn't get, actually, I didn't know half the episode. You did, well, you showed up to the recording session like the last like, uh, But like minutes, the like, end of it, you? yeah. Because I knew what, yeah. I, I knew vaguely what happened to the script, but I tried to keep as much of the, so I, I sort of had to know how it played out. It's just, just one, I, I just naturally so did. Big. Yeah, it's like it's so big. I think it, there were seven actors who aren't in it. Gosh. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an annoying one if you were trying to avoid spoilers. But then. Yeah. But then I suppose it did need all of us to make it like as spectacular as it is. And I wouldn't give up playing Phil Vella just to have no spoilers because that was okay. so fun. You know okay. I think. <laughs> I keep saying I mean, this, but it was. Exhausted. Fun. Yeah, I mean, I think we've exhausted sort of the Mabellan topic. Yeah. I mean, there's that whole expression of you think it's the Minister of War who's been in control, but he's had these control chips, so he can literally... I do I do love the implication of this one, like when like the Doctor's talking to the Dalek. Just imagine they had technology to control your hardware. 
Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I like, just love that feeling. And then I killed Legel. Ah, <laughs> oh, you've killed How a lot of other ones. I love my character as well. I love that arc she's going up, gradually discovering the sham of the war, fighting to defend her people, and not just because it's what she's been programmed to do, thinking, okay, maybe there is a life beyond this. And then she just gets disintegrated. So rude. Incredibly well, it, rude. Th- that is a very, very wonderfully RTD thing of you to do. <laughs> it yeah, but then the, the lasers go away, a door opens, and who shows up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill Bella. Um, I would I would quote Freya's name on the Discord call, but I um not Discord call, well, Zoom call, I forget. We can, well, we can say but two I can't. Of the words. Top and she. Tom and she. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other two words start with a B and an F and a not big finish. <laughs> Actually, no, I think we can get away with just a little bit. <laughs> we can. We're and allowed. Now it's time. As a treat. I mean, we can. We've done worse. <laughs> Fair, I say She's yes, fine. She is a bitch. Badger. Yeah, I was about to say, you <laughs> know, um, we okay. actually. What? What? Don't push it! Do not push it! <laughs> You're pushing Do not it blaspheme right the purple. Do not blaspheme! <laughs> no, we are standing on thin ice, and I don't mean season 10, episode 3, I mean thin ice that you might fall through and get sunken, trapped underneath the waters with terrible sea monsters in it at any given moment. So please, let us focus. If that's us talking. Before, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, before we accidentally, you know, get this episode cancelled and removed. It's generally... Oh, we're, we're already cancelled. It's fine. <laughs> I love the worried little... I don't know what noise that was, but it was worried. <laughs> I can't remember. I, Jenny, I cannot remember for the life of me where the name Bilbella came from, but it's very similar to Mobella, isn't it? I can't remember if that was intentional or not. You could say it is, and then you sound clever. It may be. It, for all I know, it may be. <laughs> but I can't remember. But I just know that she looks like a Mabella. First time she's got like. She likes silver. the funky metallic braids. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for her. Imagine her being sassy with them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, she's just is so cool. I, I keep saying this. I have nothing more to add in any sort of complex fashion. I just am <laughs> like, it, so cool. I think that she doesn't actually do a lot in this episode. Like, she is just sort of explaining there are other Eternals that, you know, that she's behind the Dalek Mabellum, which, yeah. I mean, tells you, you she's know, just there. the Minister was failed mm-hmm. and someone else is behind Sontaran Druids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what you need to focus on. Bill Vella's brother. Hmm. <laughs> It's a little bit of family feud action, kind of. And she's a little bit of family feud, and I guess. Jurassic, I think she's he's winning. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying anymore. Does that make Blix the odd uncle? <laughs> Makes Blix many things. Actually, that just makes me think, Vovella kind of gives me, like, vodka aunt vibes. Oh, that tea was spikes, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, must have been. Honestly, it just feels so rogue in the best way. I just love her. 
She was an absolute. I mean, I sent you so much stuff about Millwell. I can't say all the things I sent, but I sent um, a clip of Julie Louise Dreyfus in Falcon and Winter Soldier. That was hot. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I very much enjoyed it. Honestly, what, yeah, I'm, my, I'm, I'm actually glad. Wasn't, that, um, Falcon, wasn't Falcon and Winter Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I don't know how to word. <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky. You know, um, Judy Judy Stripes in that as she appears as. Uh, oh yes, 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 yes. Um, well, because what's Bill yeah. um, Bella? I wanted to feel like a character who, even though she hasn't appeared before, you think I've clearly missed her in five other episodes because she's come on with such a presence and such a commanding aura. But you're like, oh yeah, she's been here a lot. And then you cast me. What, what did you do that for? <laughs> what that, well, uh, that's what Judy Judy Stripes did for me in Falcon. Because I'm like, mm. I know this is an important character, but I've no idea who this actress is. I've no idea who the character is from like comic knowledge. And yet I'm like, oh no, like now it's getting real. And that's exactly what Bill Bella feels like here because of Fred's acting. <laughs> Indeed. No. <laughs> but honestly, I'm actually glad I was cast as her just because, firstly, it's so fun, but also absolutely nuked any ability for me to actually fancy her because otherwise I would be thirsting <laughs> bad. <laughs> I don't understand how those are mutually exclusive. Have you been I... watching Logan? <laughs> <laughs> I despair. I know you do despair. <laughs> That's on brand. We were talking Disney Plus Marvel. Yeah, we were. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Shall we um, move on from Vilvella and talk about the Earth please. scenes this episode? <laughs> yeah, because there was also a bunch of stuff that happened on the Earth. Yeah, there's um, more stuff there, in fact. And I have to say, um, and this, I guess, actually, is going to be the tiniest of digs in this episode. But I have to say, I mean, while at least Jason was doing something... Uh, up until the Doctor returned, his impact on the plot was somehow worse than a Chibnall companion because he got ah. his friends killed. I would point, I would point but negative. At negative least he was doing something, though, is which is more than any Chibnall companion was and makes it more interesting. Let's think, like, he's... I mean, his plan is firstly to get everyone safe. So you bring back Bernie, Tommy, and Wilson because they're so much fun. And, like, I don't write a lot of modern day Earth. I'm not, you, you know, you're saying all very RTD where I differ is I have got that sort of family dynamic or people he knows on Earth. I don't do a chibble and just forget about them after two episodes. But also I don't do an RTD where it's like they're constantly coming back into the plot because Jason as a character will just completely abandon that area. Jason is, I mean, he got kicked out of his first home and would gladly run away from his second. So I'm um, taking the homeless shelter to be a second home here. So, you know, it's, that's the whole point of the thing. He's not like just on a casual trip around with a doctor. He is, he's like, I don't like that enough, but I'd much rather at least going around with you is fun. Exactly. I'll do a bit at the end just about how I understand his character, but that'll be that's we want the, yeah, the Jason stuff is at the end. I'll put it in the departure. But yeah, so he brings them in, he's just and you get some moments. I have a conversation I've had with my boyfriend about production with Damien. You need to stop. I've not seen you take a break since this started. <laughs> like we've had that exact conversation with Heath Ledger. Fine, fine. How many no, hours of sleep away. have you had since this started? Six. Each night. <laughs> Total. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Oh god, I will. I may save this for the end, but we could we could talk about just the impact of production. Wait, for later, for later. But yeah, the but Jason's idea of like he can't just sit about. He's got to do something. And it is a good thing, and it is a like a good way of progression. And you are right. Negative agency is still more agency, uh, and it's good to have he, negative agency sometimes. Characters do make mistakes. Yeah, I think he would be. He. It's not that he doesn't want to go out there because Jason is, and I'll, again, I'll come to this later. But he's borderline self-sacrificial. Oh no, absolutely. He would, if he didn't know 100% of the moment he stepped into the spaceship, the minister would go, oh, hang on, and get him. He's like, yeah, I can't, I can't go in there. Damien can't go in there. And Damien wouldn't go in there. Let me declare, Jason wouldn't let him. But Bernie, Tommy, Wilson haven't been seen by these creatures. They're so they expendable to the plot. They're not expendable. It's like, it's the only option you've got left. Two or three of them die. They're expendable. I'm joking. I love them all. And I, they are absolutely not expendable. And some of the sound effects on a particularly a certain crunchy crunch. Um, oh, the crunch. Oh, that was brutal. We've been waiting for that one for like mm. months, waiting to see what time. it would sound like. And I don't actually know how old he did it. I need to ask him. Uh, I hope it was past something her. about like, I want to say he meant like being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. After he was like done with the series, like I've had enough of this. So if you, you know, know if camera doesn't show like below if you my chest. if you can Nothing still talk, yeah. if you could, I was about to say if you can still talk and are still alive after having all your bones crunched, does that mean Wilson can survive and Wilson will be returning in the future? Wilson is dead. <laughs> oh no, Wilson! In the words of Christopher Eccleston, Wilson's dead. <laughs> there is no way of Wilson returning in the future. That is a massive F for all of our Wilson fan hopes. But yeah, the crunch, what I love about the crunching sound effects, and like I've recorded my reaction to this twice that you've seen, because I did the first sound effects edit and then with the music, because Tom asked. Um, like there's the initial crunch and you go, oh God, oh God, oh God. Then it sort of settles. And then there's another one. And I was that like the initial crunch. I... All of you go, you do have that same reaction in sync. There's like 16 of you in the call and just like, oh God. Oh, everyone did the same thing. Yeah, it's amazing. Ollie in the corner, just like properly <laughs> drinking. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I guess as it happened, with just the slowest of slow claps. Yeah. Um, you've got like I imagine it like the the first crunching is when all the like the body was like has kind of like smushed together and like it was like the body was crunching inwards like it was being smushed 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 in and then it gets to a point where it's just like like as a ball it like physically can't go any further at the moment can't be smushed any further until it cracks and then it just cracks into nothing uh like as it collapses even more because now it's all broken and everything's just breaking you're breaking, enjoying breaking. this aren't you I didn't put this much data into the script. I mean, that's how I was imagining it, and it was horrifying. So Dude, thank you. Actually, the fact that it inspired that sort of level of detail in your mind, it's really credit to both the script and the wonderful sound editing, just because, like, it's so brutal. It, it, I mean, it has, like, this level of brutality to it that I don't often hear in audio, and it just, it really does make you sort of sit there in silence and shock going, what on earth did I just hear? Because you can, like, you don't see it, but you can imagine it so vividly, like just what it would look like and how grotesque it would be. Um, and yeah, it's actually, oh, it's just so good. Anyway, <laughs> I'm ranting. Simply horrible. 
But yeah, Ben. I like horrible. That's the point. Jason isn't the Doctor and he never will be. In part because he rejects that path. Again, we'll get onto that. But that's the point. You bring the Doctor back in. Because like I said, you can't do that plot with the Doctor there from the start. Because mm. the Doctor... Yeah, because yeah, we go in, we have the first half of the episode on the Earth side, which is just... Jason trying his best to fix this crisis somehow in any possible way, which leads to the death of Wilson and Tommy being shadowed. The doctor returns and the doctor's like, I have the solution. Like very quickly, like it's, I mean, and that it's a very effective way because the doctor is the most experienced character by isolating her from the plot and tying her down, you get the audience within Morphia. And the moment the Doctor returns, you always have a sense of things are going to be all right. This episode just makes it very literal and takes those kind of emotions that an audience would be feeling and syncs them up very well with what's actually happening in the episode. And I think that was a very, I don't know how intentional that was, but it was all very effective. Because uh, the Doctor's a character you expect to have the answers, and she does. Well, they're just was, not good answers. Yeah, it was more for me that you have the solution to the problem, as she says, since the day they met. Like, how do you defeat the Shadow Man? Oh, you burn generation, actually. It's like she says it to O'Donnell in Eternal Wars. Like, can you reverse conversion? And she says, the host, probably not after they've been done. The Shadow Men. And she like, it hesitates. And in the script, it says, definitely hiding something. It's like, oh, nothing, viable. Like, that's what... Um, these episodes, I think this is, and there's like narrative reasons for this in the entire concept of writing. But if you've got a solution to a problem, that you've either got to make sure the solution can't work again or come up with a better solution. Mm. And in this case, neither of those seem to be done. Like, you can't, if it's like, well, you know, why don't you just shoot them? It's like, no, guns have been outlawed. You know, you need, you need to block off your own writing. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, people will ask those questions. Yeah. And yeah, well, like, I think it was effective, especially because it's realized, well, it's more than just it hasn't happened. You, you, you're leaning into this previously established solution, but with the consequences of it as well. The block, in a sense, is the doctor will have to regenerate. And for those people who didn't know whether or not there was going to be a season two, which tragically is not many, it could have been a very reasonable finale tease and like this could have been how it ended just one contiguous story like coming back to how it began uh but instead the doctor's moving on to far well like different places whatever's going to be coming back she's still hiding about vilvella and her brother and all that sort of stuff and you're leaving behind the minister in the shadows just putting them in the past like things are going onwards which is uh absolutely wonderful and but like it could have very easily been a very strong narrative bookend. Um, well, I mean, we were talking about tra- yeah. I mean, we were talking about trailers when this uh, before we started recording. And you can never write anything based on what you think the audience will know before it goes out. Mm. You have to assume they know nothing. And so oh, you put in that finale and go, yeah, I could could kill the dog. Especially, I think it's helped it being like a student self-contained production. Because they you're not bound by the same laws of television. Yeah, you're not bound but to like renew like for seventeen series. Yeah, you could have just killed the doctor right there, and it would have been an absolutely magnificent series. 
But I'm so glad I you did it. I would have, I would have gotten death threats. I think for killing the doctor. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, no, it's you would have had the Evie stopped You would have had the doctor. Oh, Evie would have hated me. You would have had the doctor regenerate. To be fair, it wouldn't have been permanent, like necessarily. Well, I, I mean, guess. in this plot, it would have taken like all her energy. Oh, it's, it's true. It is going. implied that in it would this, take everything. Yeah, Seven billion people, everything I've got. I can quote the whole thing, you know. Imagine if it had happened and then you just ended the episode, but the doctor survived, just no regeneration energy left. Uh, and Glove was like basically mortal now. That's interesting. Oh no, never, I, I can't say this to any it. of you, but I really don't like the vibe of Time Lords that have none of their regeneration energy left. And, <laughs> and some of the people listening to this will know why. Is it because of River Song? No, no I there's know what it someone is. else. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, a well sorry. I, like, I'm not. I can't confirm, but I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Sure, but don't say it. But message me. <laughs> For anyone who knows, I did just say it. Yeah, I yeah. thought you might have. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, great. The one not listening to story. the person who knows is the person who didn't hear. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I, well, oh, to be god. fair, the Wi-Fi was going a bit. Strange. Right. The that's that's the joys of production. You keep, talk, you keep talking, I'll miss a trail. Okay, so while Jacob is messaging Freya, we're going to go on to the, uh, I mean, the rest of the tunnel where the Doctor arrives, presents a solution. We have a fun little action sequence starring, like, as they bust into the ship, while Jason and Bernie uh, basically sacrifice themselves to stop the shadows from absolutely slaughtering each other and those sound effects oh my god they were slaughtering <laughs> each other um sorry Freya's face when that was a big <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize what he said but yes <laughs> um and then yeah, you have I... the um what like you know that's happening they're fighting and then you have Tommy Sharp as a host and it's dramatic confrontation you have damien going up against his parents and losing getting convert- I that was an on the day decision or on the day of writing i should say to make damien a host because I, I didn't want him in the room for the speech and i thought well i can't you didn't him. want him in the room where it happened that life is already <laughs> in the tunnel wall i know <laughs> I I'm, steal the jokes I'm stealing but and i can also say uh, i think everyone here knows this but his dialogue was mostly improvised by orion Mm. That the, little the bit of about, baby, I think I've got something in my scripted. eye. Yeah, but that bit. Yeah. On the first take, and I just went, bloody hell, keeping that in. Mm-hmm. And it was terrifying. I, one of my best bits of acting is that scream right after. Yeah. So I, I really was quite terrified. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and you run in like it's a, like an excellent confrontation. Then you get Jason with the minister, and against the dying of the light so far has been a real. I'd say after all the positive build-up Jason has had over the first series, it's been a real train wreck. It's like the spaceship crashed on every, like all of Jason's like like growth towards self-worth. And then out of that spaceship's ruins, a second spaceship popped out by Aris technology and crashed itself as well. Like that's what happened. And Jason gets to the point where he's at the lowest in the entire series. Because... From episode one, he's been actually getting a bit better and better, and you've got moments of pain and stuff. But I'd say, like, traveling with the Doctor in some ways helped Jason. And then you've got the ending of episode five, like a train wreck, and like, or a tsunami hitting him. And then you've got, you know, you're moving on. It gets better. It gets better. You've got Margaret Thatcher. You've got all that. But especially by the end of Fourth War and into Eternal War, 
Jason's fairly confident. He's doing better. And then against the Dying of the Light happens, like the ending of Eternal War. It hits, and he's knocked back down to like square one in a way. And you get him into that room with the minister, and you just have that scene. And I just want to ask you about that scene because that scene was so good. Which scene? Um, just that moment between him and the minister alone. Yes, just that moment first. Uh, what do I know? I, I mean, just like everything that went because that was one of my favorite scenes it's like the minister going well, of course like this is what you've always wanted isn't it yeah okay this is and what that, i was saying earlier yeah, about, about jason's self-sacrificial character. nature yeah it's, yeah uh jason i've had this uh in a long time i've got to be careful how i phrase this i don't think it's accurate to say jason is a character you could call suicidal mm-hmm. i don't think that's accurate he does he's not um typically depressed i don't think uh, he's not someone who take episode one very start just pre Tommy Wilson. And this is the reference point I've used for a while when trying to understand some own head. He's not a character on that street just going, oh god, you know, life sucks. So I want to end it. However, in he- that moment just before Tommy and Wilson show up, no one's giving him any money. The preacher's shouting abuse indirectly, and he's just seen Damien, and Damien's left. In that moment, if Tommy Wilson showed hadn't shown up, I, I picture it like a speeding car. If there was a car going down Stockton High Street at like 45 miles an hour, and in the, on an average day, he'd see it going by like, I mean, that's going fast. But he wouldn't go, I want to throw myself in front of it. On that day, in that moment, if he'd seen that car, he very easily could have gone, you know what, that's the moment, and just gone. Like, I'm currently writing, I know you will know this, but I'm writing the target normalisation of Open Doors. And I've written that scene pretty much exactly how I've described it there. Is he what sees is... a car, he sees, I think, I don't know if any of you read this, I'm not this extract people, but he, like, he sees a car going by really fast and like, yeah, it's thought of, you know, someone could get hurt doing that. And then he goes, right, and he takes like a step forward towards the curb, then Tommy Wilson come in. That and is... That's brutal. brutal. <gasps> yeah, <it's> <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no. Oh god, that's wow. I mean, I like noted it. Um, I guess it's an idea where Jason obviously doesn't have a traditional picture of depression, but with his, I think, extremely low self-worth, which I think is something he doesn't I think val- he values everyone else significantly more than himself. Well, like I a don't... lot of the time. I'm, I'm not sure he hates himself. I think he hates I don't, the world. Like, he's, yeah. not, he's not got that internalised homophobia. Well, no more no. than, like, every gay person does, and let's not deny yeah. it. But he's just got that, you hate me because I'm gay. That's your problem. Yeah. The thing I'm currently doing on camera. But that in that moment, it's like, okay, well, the world just hates me. What's the Maybe point? Maybe he'll let it. Yeah. Mm. No, I do get that. And I think, well, in, in, even then... He still has a sense, like, I think he definitely felt like, but compared to the people he likes or knows, like, obviously he says, well, I am me. And in some ways he likes himself in many ways. Um, Obviously, like, and that's present throughout. But there is a sense of purposeless, of the pain of what everyone else has been doing. And also just, like, he is very self-sacrificial. He would yeah. gladly take the bullet for anyone else. Like, oh, uh, at least any one of his yeah. friends, rather. Like, I'll give or... you this one. 
loving the time of Maggie when they're up mm-hmm. against Mary in the corridor and she, uh, Mary says, you know, let me at Thatcher or one of the boys gets it. Jason immediately steps in front and goes, let it be me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like he would sacrifice or, himself or, for Damien or the doctor or even like definitely Bernie, even Tommy or Wilson. And many, like, I think in some ways and in other ways, like people he doesn't, I mean, like he's a generally cynical person. Um, he wouldn't like seven front for a random stranger because they might be homophobic no. um, as well. <laughs> but like uh, other reasons as well. But like he has a big sense of just wanting to, like yeah, take um, that bullet, and in part that is just because, and especially by the end of, um, like at the end of. Uh, against the dying of the light that scene right there really does exemplify it and it shows the kind of all the undercurrents to jason's character because there are a lot yeah and i, mean, I think you portrayed in... them magnificently as well just to let you know thank you well do you know it's in four if we're talking about my acting just to allow myself to be praised do you know it's in the fourth wall when he's having a conversation with the lady mm. obviously a lot of that is just oh my god you know this is terrible what happened next Hopefully you can tell in the acting, and this was easy for me because I wrote it after I've been cast, so I knew exactly where to make the change. The moment he starts going, okay, this isn't what happened. And you can hear him go, I think his line is like, wow, so what did you do? It's the moment the lady says, I took the knife and I, and I said to Buckingham, stay away or I'll, I'll do it. I will take this commodity. And that's the exact moment Jason goes, no, this is all cobblers. But okay, if we're talking yeah. the ultimate negative, do you want to do you want to cheer us up a bit? Yeah, I don't. I would like to try and think of something to cheer us up, but also, you know, um, it's against the dying of the light. Where am I meant to go? <laughs> you got you got the speech. Oh, yes, you have the speech, the big speech, at the end, uh, and humanity rises, stands free, and that is a yeah, direct speech. quote. Well done. Yeah. Um, that was, I wrote, oh, I can't remember if I said this in the live list, but I'll say it here. Um, the, this script was very, very planned out. I knew so many beats of it, just because I've been thinking about it for so long. Jason's speech was like the last big bit I needed. Just like, after this, I knew I forgot the speech right, everything else, I could write it. And I did, I wrote it within about three hours. Like, it was an insane speed. Jason's speech, I came up to it like the night before I finished, got to the speech, typed out Jason, just put in brackets, good effing look, shut the laptop for the night. (laughs) Because it, and I I think I wrote the final thing in about 15 minutes. You're insane. (laughs) Oh, incidentally, Ollie said that to me in the read room. (gasps) That was from uh, Tommy's last line. Well, last line to uh, Jason. Because that is the word you cannot say the rest of. No. That was the big sweat. Like, like the entire call, I remember sweat. Whoa, whoa. Jesus. I should, I should elaborate. That's not Tommy's thought process. That's the shadow building out the darkest of dark impulses. Don't trust anything said by a shadow host. Never trust the shadow host. I mean, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> Well, oh, you saw my uh, broadcaster. <laughs> that was so good. That was a really yeah. good uh, anyone, promo, yeah, anyone actually. No, 
um, the day before we aired, I went to a local graveyard. Genuinely. <laughs> so there's only place off the street. And filmed like a whole thing as Jason live streaming. Going, uh, okay, if you, you know, this is what happened. If you find a shadow on a house, this is what you've got to do. Which is a lot of fun. Evie's been asking for Jason to come back. There you go. But yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about speech. Because yeah, I think it, was, it is all there. It I, was I, the perfect climax to the episode in so I many ways. Like, and it was... At the moment of... Um, the Doctor says in episode one, uh, every life is worth living long enough to find out why such worth exists. And then that is paraphrase what Jason says to the world, like, you might not have anyone today, but you might tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. I love also, that. It's my favourite part of the speech is that kind of half line, like, maybe you're right. Because yeah. so often when people talk about that kind of thing, they go, oh yeah, all life is worth living. You've got something in your life that's good. You just need to find it. And sometimes that isn't true. But the point is, it could be true in the future. And you address that far mm. better than I've seen it addressed on many occasions. Agreed. I mean, now like... this is just the plot of Moon Knight. But... <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. No, it's, it's that moment. Like, yeah, because sometimes things can be like really that bad and there is nothing left to look forward to but there might be even if there isn't anything now like and it's not like a glimmer of maybe it is a glimmer of hope that is there even if it's you don't know what it's, how it is it's a glimmer of potential that's a better way of putting it again you're, you're good at this <laughs> you're good at this you're the writer <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. glad we all went for evil down there <laughs> well, about five minutes ago, we didn't place for the appropriate. So I'm glad we got one in there. Yeah, we needed to. You know, it's the one Chibnall companion we haven't mentioned yet, I think. Uh, well, I mean, I, obviously, when I wrote this series, it didn't exist. So it's quite I love how you've forgotten that um, Ryan exists. We've not mentioned Ryan, have we? No, we have. Jason, um, Jacob did a Ryan impression at least one point in this podcast earlier. No, I haven't. Did no, you no, not? He didn't. I did Capaldi. Oh, no, uh, no, uh, no, 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 not that one. <laughs> that was, I thought you did. I thought you did your wine impression. Can you do your wine impression quickly? Yeah, there we are. (laughs) (laughs) There we are, there we go. It's uh, it's done. Okay. Also, technically, we we hadn't actually mentioned Graham either, and I was fully aware of that one, but I just mentioned Yas. (laughs) Yeah, we just mentioned Yas. Look. Moving on, please. No, let's move on. Because we have good companions to talk about. Um, Yeah, well, you've got a good companion exit, too. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, can we talk the Minister of War first? A, yes, actually, because that is the Minister of War has been this. Well, if I was to say eternal villain, it would be very true. Uh, but more in terms of like this sense of confidence and immortality and invulnerability. Like everyone's well, there's no way you can kill him. There's no way you can beat him, but you can discorporate him. Yeah, I had to. I had to come up with this philosophy of how you could deal with immortals. And like, I'm, I've got my whole update of our Eternals are like a subset of immortals. Like all Eternals are immortal, not all immortals are Eternals. That's its own thing. But what I came up with Wild. was, like you say, they can be, because they're in enlightenment. They're the ships that just get blown up. So you could do something to them. So you can destroy the body, as you say, you can discorporate them, but you, you know, it's impossible to destroy the mind of an Eternal. So while Rich 
Patriot God, is <laughs> to a character. While the minister is imprisoned on a wall, like merged with shadow and the brickwork, he's you know, his physical form is completely gone. And in the TV version, there was actually a shot of someone painting over it, and you saw the eye kind of twitch. Does that like mean? Oh, I guess you're just it leaving there. It's like a Disney oh, fate, I guess. It's like at the end of it, like when you've killed a villain, like in a Disney movie where they don't really kill the villain, but instead they're like, let's do something far more kid friendly, like imprison them in hell forever. Um, Did you mean the Battle of Ranskorapkolos? Uh, yeah, really. Oh my God. I can't believe it. You you cribbed the Battle of Ranskorapkolos for your finale. Yeah, but the. Jason has a gun. In that episode, Graham and Ryan have guns. How can you explain this? <laughs> It was a first draft. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I love, and the performance out of Richard is insane. I think he said at the time he popped the blood vessel. Not literally, I should have had. But like, so many of those noises are just him. They are modulated in quite a bit, but also, like he was in the corner, he's going, Yeah, it's fun, that boy. And then just fail. <laughs> yeah, but I think you all want to talk about Jason Archer. I did, because I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. I uh, knew that from the start, very start of the series. I'm like, it's gonna he's gonna leave on his own terms with Damien by side. It was about end of July, so just mm-hmm. before I start writing Total War, at 1 a.m. I came up with the housemates and all that thing. And that sneaky little Christian cameo. <laughs> yeah, I love how everyone yeah. in the chat was like, morning, as soon as you turned up. I DM'd him and said, everyone just called. I, I sent morning. him a screenshot and, of the chat. <laughs> yeah, and Christian got back to me and said, two of the group chats have already told me this. <laughs> in, it's scripted as, um, I mean, I didn't know who'd be in it, who'd be in the series at that point. But it's Martin, Emily and Christian who were the exec of that year. And George was also scripted from our first year. It was just recording was just a bit, fa- it's difficult to get hold of George and you sort of keep an idea focused. It was only ended just Martin those lines. Mm. I remember because during that read through or the uh, thing I read in for George, who was not at the read through, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I think that might have been the recording. I think Tom read in in the oh, yeah. read through. Oh, that might be the case as well. I don't really remember how all the things went. I read in for a lot of lines, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean, I wrote. I just thought that was a just like a nice little evening name alone. It's just a nice tribute to the exec. And then when Martin yeah. and Emily came on to do the series, I'm like, well, yeah, let's give you those parts. Christian, I had to like go around his house one day with my mic and go right. <laughs> Wait, you'll never believe that scene took two different trips because we got to record his credits on trip one. Oh, of course he did. Let's <laughs> go back around his house. Like, right, okay, set that up. Yeah, no, that is. It's still a really fun little tribute there. Anyway, it's wonderful. It's wholesome. It's nice, and See, you and do it really get connects it with like the fact that it's given a, a how dark production. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a Hootsock production, but also given how dark the episode has been, it's nice that it ends so nicely. Like, I mean, the Doctor ends in a depressed way, but like uh, many ways. But in a lot of episodes, you'll have a moment of triumph and then that darkness or like it's you don't want to have the episode be dark all the way through. So either it's light at the beginning, dark at the end or. But in this case, it was a very dark and dreary all the way through. But the ending is this like kind of for 
Jason, anyway, even if he doesn't travel with the Doctor anymore, it's a really happy, perfect ending. Well, I, I love the idea of when he chooses to leave. So he has to talk with Damien about accommodation. They clearly have gone, you can move in with me, you know, I'll work it out with my housemates and all that. Jason isn't planning to go straight there at the start of that scene. What he's planning is, it, like, you can sort of hear it, it was uh, improv for myself and Lyme, it's like, you know, when are you going to be here? And I say, oh, I guess three weeks. And it's what the doctor says, like, yo, you know, the phones are over and done with, where are we going next? Completely oblivious. And that's the point where Jason goes, mm -hmm. okay, no, I'm not waiting, it's now. Yeah. How I visualise it, this is something I came up with quite recently, and like, this is in no way canon, but I would like to imagine Jason would have done one more trip he would have said, take just somewhere, like, the best view you can think of, like, this alien vista, this great vast sunset. Just show me something absolutely Is that, so, beautiful. like, the beginning of uh, Army of Ghosts? Weirdly, yes, and I knew where you were going to go there. Yeah, I know you did. But just you know, somewhere like that, that you can just say, that's absolutely gorgeous. Okay, that's the universe. I'm done with that. I'm going back. But in that moment where the Doctor was just a bit too callous, he goes... Sod it. Mm. I'm leaving. Ah, that is. So Amy, I do love the I was about to say. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, no, because I know Evie has very much been asking for when uh, Jason will return, and I do want to ask on her behalf: Will Jason ever be taking another trip in the Sardis? Uh, I mean, I would never want to confirm or deny anything from future series, but like, I don't. I think his story's done, wouldn't you say? I can't see. I have to personally version. agree. I have to. Agree. I, I like it's such a perfect ending. Like it is such a solid ending that it's difficult to think of what more could be done there. It's it a had very good reason to bring him back. Yeah, I have exactly. discussions with other writers about it, and it's like, you know, would you bring back? It's like, well, what he would be if you were going to bring him back, he would be unwilling. Like he's out of that alien life. Hmm. So, as you said, you would need a very, very good reason. You're just going to yeah. have to make a mini-sode where he's married and lives in a little cottage and has, like, a nice dog or something. And nothing That'll else happens. Cute. It's all good. <laughs> nothing else happens. Yeah. It's just vibing there. Honestly, that, yeah, yeah, that's all I want. Give me that, thanks. <laughs> I mean, you, gotta, you don't have to wonder, like, how, how long will you last with Damien? It's, it's an interesting question. Is that Bill and Endel, or is it? Wait, you break, if you break them up, I be all and end all. <laughs> oh, I thought you were like <laughs> Bill and Heather. No. I thought you were. I thought you meant Bill and Heather or the space alien goo from. <laughs> yeah, Damien's just liquid. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't make Damien liquid. That would have been a terrible plot twist. No, Not saying that. Yeah. It, yeah. No, it's just it's. Uh, no, it's interesting to think about. And if you do anything to hurt them at any point, I can and will kill you. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's genuinely that, if I may expose my weakness on this, I think Jason is that weakness. Like, it would be very, very hard for me to kill off that character. And if I ever did, you'd know that, like, something just hit the fan. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know if there's anything more you want to say or about um, I know we I know we've we have been questions. going for a while. Yes, I think we this was questions. always this was always going to be the longest one anyway. It um, might be the longest think... two stop podcast ever because we've been here for uh, a while. I I mean I predicted this would happen. Five. That's why I said you know we're going to order takeout to Joseph and Joseph <laughs> had doubts for a while if that would be necessary. Maybe he could cook afterwards. And in the end, he only agreed because he ran out of oil. But I knew that from the beginning, this was going to be necessary. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> it's only me when I've got like a, a Zoom call and I'll run on and just like to get to food early. See, that would be sensible, except for the fact that we were working on exam stuff until like right before. And there was no I just time. Scrambled <laughs> I, I, I have not eaten and I need to go make chicken katsu after Try this which is a flash quickly onto questions <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> let's move on to some uh, I get bullied into quick eating. questions okay let's start now with a question from sophie should i pre-book an appointment with the morgue now for when the next series kills me yes which we haven't uh, talked about that tease at the end yeah, for beyond yeah. the shadows featuring this mysterious angelica who is she Silvera. um she is georgia malkin she is georgia she is. malkin she is, and they are a wonderful character. Ooh. I very much enjoyed writing them, and there's something untraditional about them. You may pick up on one thing, just how what I'll it's say. It's the, the, the non-binary companion klaxon. Let's go, let's go! <laughs> but, um, you know... She, they, companion moment. Yeah, and I'll have it confirmed. A that. fly yeah. just flew into my window and died. <laughs> certain trait that no companion has had since I believe Nardol? That is interesting and does that depend on the um I mean I guess that depends on certain speculation that some fans have had around um the timeless children and one specific <laughs> Graham line in that for far too long um but let's let's stick with Nardol and not Bradley Walsh's inability to read lines <laughs> that's better um you're so then, rude yeah yeah that's rude okay let's, the yeah so uh how will we su ever survive until the next series comes out and also combining it with at uh, what point did you go yeah let's do another series from lorna and Awan. well um i wrote i was starting to write them a series two for fun around march last year it's sort of just as we were starting recording series one actually and i'd sent them to people uh i then i called out to other writers like john or series two and it was just going to be like the first one just i'll ah, just do it for fun just because i had more stories to tell and anyone who's read episode six really knows that to be the case but um it was about i think it was after recording episode seven that obviously evie had been reading them and had been enjoying them and i mentioned it to like the pro team as a whole and they were like yeah you've got to do a series two Ollie Fab said I should do a series two. <laughs> He's insane. Yeah, he completely. But He's like, as he, mad he, as you are. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the cackle I just did there, I think I'm slightly higher. But yeah, no, uh, I think Eve will play that role to the end of the earth. And it was just fun writing. And it was like, well, you know, and then you all as exec came on and said, yeah, no, we'll make it. 
and I cannot thank you enough because I would That's struggle exciting. to do another series. Of this. <laughs> we should get our fair share of say, you know having to scream at just the world in general. Yeah. Well, I mean, I say I'm backing down part of production because it is like I'm no longer a student. If I was to keep like head director, keep that going, at some point it's weird. But also, like production, um, I would say the cast generally understand about 25% of the impact it had. Uh, Husok about 40, you as writers 60, Joe 65 just because you know production people, and my boyfriend about 80%. Mm. And if you just consider the matter of what you know and what you expect I would tell my boyfriend and just consider what that other 20% could be. Like, it's yeah, a lot. That is a lot. It will... Um, it will, it will hurt That's you. That's why we had you that moment scream, about you will an hour. Every single moment of it. Oh God, that's that is wonderful. No, but God's honest truth that it's worth it. It is a hundred percent worth it. But it's and, not going to feel like that. I will quote mm. Moffat on this: If you forget you're doing Doctor Who for like an hour, then stop. And that is why you did include that little bit to your boyfriend earlier. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, God. Like so even he doesn't know the full extent of it. Right. Uh, the next uh, question um, is, let's see what others are there. Um, From Oliver, I believe. Where is that? I'm trying to look around because I'm... Uh, it's the so, very oh, first yes. one that was said. Oh, yes. Um, when did you know that the final words of episode 12 would be the same as the first words of episode one, which ties into what I said about bookends and story ending like that, but... Um, I think I wrote End of Twelve independently. It never occurred to me to do to tie it back. Then I believe it was I did redraft around October, just convert them for audio. And I think it was then I went, I know, you know, that's nice. I'm gonna bookend it. Nice. Which so is it wasn't like I didn't go in knowing it, but then mm. so that does rewrite. Solid book ending. Um, I'm going to skip over any questions that might involve me mentioning certain characters I don't want to have to mention, uh, but just say spatial genetic multiplicity. And um, uh, I can answer the one from Tom. If you're asked in your audition to make it sound like you're dying horribly, is that a bad sign for the outcome of the character? This was a Wyans idea when Tom auditioned for Wilson to make him do a death scream. And I ah, agreed. Well, <laughs> yes, um, I'm going to say no. I did not, absolutely did not whatsoever during auditions make people make any sorts of noises that you would be making later on. I did not do this once. I, in fact, did this <laughs> negative 500 times and you cannot find a single instance of me doing it. In fact, every single instance was specifically me doing something that you would completely never touch on. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> this is a lie. <laughs> Shut up. Oh my god, the amount of times that we, we ended up well as much as you can share a glance over Zoom. <laughs> Something yeah. was said and we just go. Oh. <laughs> I, I will I will say obviously I'm not I'm stepping back from series two production, but I'm I'm helping out a certain place. Obviously, I wrote it. I'll I'll be taking on other roles. And but I helped out with casting because that's fun. And just like just all the messages of like you can't say that, you cannot say that. That's <laughs> that's gonna pay off in eighteen months. I kept on saying it. Oh, you did. We hate you for it. <laughs> oh, in fairness, I will can and will squeeze in as much as I can possibly say. And unfortunately, I think I redrafted that moment after last episode anyway, so it doesn't even matter that reference, which is a tragic. 
but whatever. That is tragic. And so I don't even know if any of you will get it because I don't think any of you ever saw some of my earlier drafts. And I'm quite grateful for that. Yeah, you are absolutely cut throat. Let's just not deny it. I'm not cut. No, I am actually very nice. And I mean, aside from some shocking moments, uh, in a, like, I'd say I'm on the whole merciful. Like, you know, it's like, you know, it's just... Oh. How do I put this, how do I put like, you know, how nice and absolutely good and wonderful I am? I'd think, well, you know, you'll see it shortly. <laughs> right. Uh, can I just leave it off just for the fun of it? Should we do a bit of a tease for series two? Just for what Go to on. expect. Ooh. Well, see, I mean, I mean, we've said there a lot of like brilliant things, like, but it's going to be a great series. And I don't want to repeat myself or double speak, but we've had this absolutely brilliant team for it. We've harvested the best people properly brought together. We've got editors coming back. We've got a bunch more writers. It's not just me and Hawaii and, and you know, probably coded them together. And it's a real healing process to form that group, you know, to be part of it and to be take, you know, to be the cast or crew or writer you are on the right side of history and it's going to be a great run of episodes if you want me to look towards the actual content of them you may see a few familiar faces because series one really was a testing ground for what we could do and now we can bring in not just the old but the new characters you know the motivations of courage love retribution so really it's going to be an absolute delight to hear and i just want you all to keep an eye on it and for the sake of the people in this call yes i practiced that <laughs> I know you did. I I'm didn't even use the horse. You did. That off the top of your head, I'd have given up right forever. The first time I practiced, I had to go it and did get it in one run, but I've done it several times since. I know. I imagine and now everyone's going to have to figure out why. Say what? <laughs> what does he mean by that? <laughs> what does he mean? What does he mean by that? Well then, yeah. Um, uh, we'd better with that up. little tease. Um, you know, it's. Just that fun kind of thing that you'll appreciate later. Um, I think we are. That is a wrap on Doctor Who Out of the Shadows Confidential. For whenever yeah. it comes out, we'll be back with Doctor Who Beyond the Shadows and more importantly, Doctor Who Beyond the Shadows Confidential. So thank you, Jacob, for a remarkable series. Thank you so much. Please, thank you. And thank you for having me. And Freya, do you want to wrap it up? I was going to say, yes. Uh, basically, Joseph had the... I will give you full credit for this because I did not think of it first. Um, sorry, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, Joseph had the, the nice idea to basically give everyone that's worked on it a shout out just because we've mentioned specific people. Um, but I mean, everyone deserves that. So, of course, we have all of the lovely people in this call currently. So, Joe, Joseph and Jacob, you've all been wonderful. Um, but we also have uh, Tom, Martin, um, Amy, Rebecca, Ollie, Issy, Lorna, Emily, Jacob, Charlie, Neve, Caleb, Oliver, Sophie, Olivia, Artemis, Becky, Tom, Georgia, Robert, Rex, uh, a lovely Dr. Evie, <laughs> uh, Matthew, Richard, Owain, Olivia, Emily, Georgina, and Lyra. So, 
you all got a shout thank out. You to you thank all. you, all of you, because <laughs> yes, it's been a fantastic you. experience, and I'm just you so pleased to be part of it. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's been you know a real lovely effort of everyone, and and yeah, it's been just uh, a I'm, delight to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's I, nice I, to I'm have been that. like working on it and then get to hear things fresh as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. just. Ah, it's been such a ride and thank you Jacob for starting this all because <laughs> it's good but yeah you pulled it off and here we are <laughs> so um yeah on that positive note we should uh, probably go because we've been here a while haven't we we have indeed just a bit so yeah let, oh, let's well. head off we shall say goodbye bye good evening <laughs> Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.